listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 On a day in which we've got a very frustrated Jerry Jones making the radio hits in Dallas. We've got World Series and a potential clincher in Game 6. What is the Vegas lead here on this Tuesday? You know, Jerry, if I, I got to tell you, if I was a billionaire, I'm not sure I'd be doing all this radio. You know, it, it's <laughs> so fun. It's so funny, Jonas, how things have changed. Back in the day, the richer you got, the less you talked. You figured, <laughs> you figured, you got your money, you got your your golden house and your rocket car. Don't rock the boat. I don't know. Social media might have messed some stuff up, <laughs> but I think we got to start. And we always look. And see what we learned and how we can benefit from it. So Monday Night Football. Yeah, and we go to L.A. where on Monday night it was all Rams as they took care of the Bears 24-10. to Not the prettiest game of the world, but L.A. will take the win. I think the lead here is that odds are each of these teams make the playoffs. Right now the Bears and the Rams are favored to make the playoffs. Rams are almost a 70% chance, so right now 68% chance, based on the betting odds, almost 7 out of 10 chance the Rams make the playoffs. Everyone's going to say, yeah, look pretty good. That makes sense. The Bears, they didn't look as good, but they have nearly a 60% chance to make the playoffs. Now, Jonas, I told you seven playoff teams was too much. This is one of our fundamental disagreements. <laughs> now that you see what your support will rot, as they say, is how do you, do you want to renounce your position on seven playoff teams if the Bears are the seventh? No, I, I am going to be greedy. Three wild card games, a triple header. Uh, that just – I'm all about it. So I'm, I'm good with that. I'm good with What would it take? Cards. What would it take? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Now, what I will say is – and I think hopefully you'll agree. I don't be fooled. And I think this is the main takeaway from the game. Don't be fooled how much worse a bad offense looks than a bad defense. So let's look at Tennessee. Tennessee had their first loss this weekend to the Steelers. Before that, undefeated. And Tennessee's defense is no better than the Chicago offense. Meaning Tennessee's defense is one of the worst defenses. And the Bears' offense is one of the worst offenses. Why is that any different? But when you see a bad defense, you think, huh, that defense is bad. Nah, you don't really think that. You think that offense, the other team's offense is good. But when an offense is bad, you don't give credit to the other team's defense typically. Now, if the defense is like just hitting super hard, knocking people out, maybe. But generally, when you see a low-scoring game, would you agree, Jonas, you think, oh, those offenses putrid, right? Yeah, for the most part. Um, and I, I prefer low-scoring games, so I'm, I'm a fan <laughs> of, of, defense, of defensive football. So it's, it's, it's very obvious what is just a really, really good defensive effort and an offense that's just not going anywhere. Yeah, I agree. And most of the time, I would make the case that when a team – uh, like the Jets this year, for example, when a team is stymied, it is oftentimes ineptness on offense. And you look at the Jets and Sam Darnold, people aren't saying, man, they played some tough Ds. They say, Jets stink. That offense yeah. stinks. <laughs> yeah. And I really want to pose that concept. Is does, again, let's use the Bears. Does, is the Bears offense 
any worse than the Titans' defense. And how much time do we spend when we analyze the Bears, a team that was 6-1 and one, uh, entering the game or only had one loss entering the game, and all we could talk about was, oh, they're fraudulent. Oh, they're lucky. It's like, yeah, you're right. They have been lucky. They're not a great team. But you know what? Tennessee had been very lucky too. But because they were football sexy on offense, people just dismiss, oh, they're not great on D, no big deal. Yeah. But if a team is bad on offense, it's like, it's a scourge. It's We got to get this out of the league. It's like, okay, fine. But if you're betting or if you're trying to predict who's going to win and lose, uh, though offense is slightly more valuable, if you look at football outsiders, they usually do um, four parts offense, three parts defense, one part special team. So, yeah, offense is a little more important, but just a little bit. And in general, if you bet against the teams like – Tennessee, who have a football sexy offense, but a serious deficiency on defense. And if you bet on the teams like Chicago, who are deficient in you know a lack of football sexiness, deficient on offense, but really strong on defense, but not taken uh, accounted for as much because people don't care as much about D, you are going to find value. And remember, this is a popularity contest and you want to side with the most unpopular kids. Imagine it's a school dance. Anyone dancing, you don't want to even talk to them. That's the, <laughs> that's the good teams. That's the, <laughs> the Kansas City Chiefs. The Jets are in the corner all by themselves trying not to cry. That is who you want to befriend, Jonas. Oh, well, and, and also I would say a perfect example of this is the Dallas Cowboys. After, uh, before Dak got hurt, all we were hearing about is, my, you know, Dak, yeah, he can pile up points, but, you know, he's not a great quarterback, and this offense still isn't clicking. And then he gets hurt, and now all the conversations about the defense. It's been the same defense all year, and, and the defense was spotty at, at times last year, and they've definitely regressed over the past couple of years, but you didn't hear about that as much because people just wanted to focus on the offensive side. It's a good point because offense covers up a lot of sins. I mean, think about when Philadelphia beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. That was one of the worst defensive oh God. spectacles on both sides of the ball. Yeah. But right. was that the takeaway? Or was it, oh my gosh, Philly out, Belichick, Belichick, Brady got outplayed, speaking of Nick Foles, and we love offense as a country and, you know, as a society. And I got no problem with that because I try to exploit it. I try to find, again, not so much. Listen, the Jets are like the kid in the corner of the dance that smells, that, that maybe has an open sore, like pus. You, you want to feel empathy, but you want to do it at a distance. But there's a lot of teams not that bad that you maybe want to side with because the Jets covered their first game. And it took a Herculean effort by from the Bills not to cover. They had like six field goals in the game. They missed two field goals. So think about that. And if they had just had one touchdown instead of a field goal, so a plus four, the Jets would have lost that game against the spread. So imagine how bad you've got to be that you're like 0-6 coming in and you finally cover, and it takes a team going over converting in the red zone and two missed field goals. 
Well, and you point out the the Eagles-Patriots Super Bowl in which nobody could get a stop except for the Eagles, and it was that late turnover which ended up sealing the game for Philly. What about the Rams-Patriots Super Bowl? That Super Bowl is looked at as a boring game in which two quarterbacks played bad and Sean McVay got exposed. Instead of great defensive efforts, not only on the New England side, but the Rams side as well, too. I thought, I thought that was a great defensive Super Bowl, but we look at it as boring, yet in the same season when you had the Rams and Chiefs score 105 points on Monday Night Football, that's all anybody could talk about in a positive manner. And it's almost incomprehensible that that was the same Rams team. Yeah. Right? It's crazy. <laughs> and and to me, that is, you know, it's a cliche, but that's why they play the games. And it's also why Belichick, quite frankly, is the GOAT. And anyone who gets confused by that because Brady's doing well and, and Belichick isn't right now. Well, let me just think about it. So Belichick with spit and, and duct tape kept the Patriots in Super Bowl winning you know, for longer than anyone can even imagine. Like, who's number two? Uh, maybe the Steelers this century. Maybe what? The Green Bay Packers, the Ravens. That's it. I mean, it's yeah. really, I mean, I guess if you want to go back and just count Super Bowls, you, you can look at, uh, you know, I'm not even sure, right? The Steelers got two. I mean, I was thinking Denver made two, but I mean, there was this short period of time. Like, how rare is it? Even with the great quarterbacks, I mean, Sean Payton is is put up on a pedestal. He had two straight years with Drew Brees that they won a combined 14 games. They were seven wins, two straight years. Yeah. And I'm not sure if one of those years was his suspension year or not, but um, it may be, it may not be. But the point is to have Drew Brees, one of the 10 best quarterbacks of all time, and still you're having multiple below 500 seasons. Yeah. And I would say New Orleans has had one of the best rosters in the NFL the past three, four years, and they've come up short every single postseason. And and, and like you said, the one Super Bowl, and let's give them credit, onside kick, how tough that was to win the game. But then you say, well, Aaron Rodgers, okay, one Super Bowl appearance. Yeah. Okay. Then you say, you know, who Big Ben, okay, two Super Bowl wins, that's great. And then you look at the Patriots, it's almost like they have the same – if you take the three or four best teams other than the Patriots this century, so 20 years, and say – let's take three of them. Is it feels like you couldn't match the success of the Patriots with the three other teams. No. Right? Because it would be unequivocally, I think, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, and Green Bay. They had two dynasties in 20 years. So as much as Brady gets credit for that, Belichick does too. Agreed. And my point would be this year, imagine if Belichick, after, you know, I said keeping things together, says, you know, I'm going to jump over and coach the, uh, hmm, let me take a look. Who's got a good young quarterback? Oh, and if he would have just went wherever he wanted to go, LeBron style, then, yeah, he'd be winning this year. Yeah. So so Brady gets to survey the whole league, says who's got the best defense and who's got an offense that's that's got a lot of playmakers, but they're just missing a quarterback. Well, great. He found him. He's good like a fantasy guy. And I'm not saying it's not amazing what he's doing. Tom Brady, the fact that he has stepped up to be a top 10 quarterback this year 
is one of the more amazing things in his career. I believe when you look back and say, what are the seven, eight things that make Brady the go? His, if he keeps up this level of performance this year, it will be on the list of the seven. Do you agree with that? Yeah, 100%. So, I mean, he literally now has more wins than the rest of the human race combined, 43 or older. NFL wins by a starting quarterback. Tom Brady has more than the rest of the human race combined in the history of the world. <laughs> so the guy is amazing, no doubt. But let's not look at going to the ideal situation and playing really well as some sign that he's better than Belichick. Brady's one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Belichick is clearly the best coach in the modern era. I can't uh, assess Vince Lombardi, right? I don't know. But, but I can tell you from 1980 on, I was 10 years old in 80. I'll tell you, it's not even close. I don't even, you know, and, and if we, that's an interesting discussion. You know, if I just said one, who's the second best coach of the last 40 years? Who would you say? Just jump in your head. Oh, Parcells. Now, that's a good one. And I would have maybe said, and, and he doesn't get the credit now because it, it was a short period. I think Jimmy Johnson, you could yeah. almost make that case. And I would lean Parcells only because Parcells went to multiple places. He took two different teams to a Super Bowl, but he turned around every place that he went to. Jimmy Johnson obviously did it in Dallas, and he had success in Miami. But I think Parcells did it a little bit more than, than And Johnson. it's so interesting, though. Parcells only won a Super Bowl in one place. Yeah. So the skill set it takes to come in and turn to bring a program from bad or average to really good, I think Parcells is the best in the world. To bring a program to a Super Bowl championship, I still, you know, I maybe take Jimmy Johnson. That's an interesting kind of dichotomy yeah. between two different criteria. And last thing, the Giants, the two you named in the last 40 years, well, there's the head coach, there's the D.C., and, oh, LT's there at linebacker. That's a pretty good team. Yeah, not bad. Uh, <laughs> th- th- those those 80s Giants teams, and then the, even the team that beat the Bills in the Super Bowl wasn't as good of a team. But if you talk to a lot of people, they just gutted out that game. And and the reason they were able to shut down that, bill, that high – Bill's offense that was rolling over everybody was because Belichick devised a game plan yes. and was able to keep it close. And isn't it interesting? You have all these coaches that, oh, they'll get to the conference finals because they're so ingenuitive, or they'll get to some minor bowl game at Iowa State or whatever. Belichick, the two times I can think of in which, and maybe you would have to give the Giants an example of this in 2007-8, is a dominant team comes in and a clearly, you know, David the Goliath type underdog wins the Super Bowl. It'd be the Giants against the Bills. Belichick is D.C. It'd be the Patriots against the Rams and the greatest show on turf. Yeah. Belichick head coach. And then I think you throw in the Giants, the undefeated year, as the three big David Goliath upsets of the last, what, 40 years? Yeah. And Belichick's in two of them. Yeah, I would agree. I rest my case. Right out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. So, RJ, the New England Patriots have struggled their past few games. They are losers of three in a row. They sit at two and four, third in the AFC East. Amongst professional batters, experts in the NFL, there's usually two responses, two possible responses to a loss. One is... Yeah, but, and what that means is it wasn't a good situation. 
It was a sandwich spot. You know, Raiders beat Kansas City. No serious pro I know massively downgraded Kansas City, though that's a bad loss. I mean, doesn't, you know, if you say, oh, this Raiders team is going to, you know, beat pretty handily, you know, just clearly beat Kansas City, you'd be like, what's wrong with Kansas City? But it was a sandwich spot and it was fairly, you know, mostly dismissed. This Patriots loss is the other kind. And it's like, uh-oh. If you're a Patriots fan, uh-oh. And here's why. It was a spot with no excuses. And probably less excuses than you might even think. On one hand, they were off two losses. Historically, that was... It happened like eight or nine times in the last 20 years. And undefeated in that spot like we will not lose three games we're the Patriots all right they lost number two they lost handily I mean it was like it wasn't even a game you could make the case the Patriots were worse than the score I mean this is a 49ers team that 14 days before was dominated by the Dolphins I mean I'm not saying the Dolphins are horrible I'm not saying that Teams don't ebb and flow. We're not trying to do the transitive property or any of that. We're saying, though, this is not a great team. You could almost make the case, maybe, and Jonas, let me ask you, you could maybe make the case the 49ers are the worst team in their division. Uh, yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, that, it's it's a good division, but if you were to look just with the injuries, it would not surprise me if they finished dead last. Yeah, so, yeah, Super Bowl runner-up, but also maybe the four out of four in their division and the Patriots are home. And there also was two other reasons I like the Pats. And, you know, we went 2-2-1 two, two, and one in the Super Contest. Had that Browns minus three, Jonas. Ooh. <laughs> Miss extra. Ooh. Talk. Oof. That got me too. Yeah. Oh, did <laughs> Yes. Well, yeah. do, please don't bet my picks, please. <laughs> Whatever you do. <laughs> That's Jonas Knox. I'm RJ Bo straight out of Vegas. And... The reality is that the Patriots were coming off of a loss against Denver that you could make the case was deceiving in that when you don't practice, you have a new quarterback, maybe that, and it was one of the reasons I really liked the Pats is I felt like there's a loss that is in that first category. You can explain it. It's not an indictment. It was a bad loss, but it's not an indictment. You can explain it. Denver, but then to have a full week of practice and have a must-win or a borderline must-win spot, full motivation. It's been 20 years since Belichick's lost a game like that, and he not only lost it, he lost it handily. And you could say the effort wasn't there. You can say what you want about Cam, but if you look at the defensive effort from the Patriots, there just wasn't a lot of enthusiasm. So Jonas. Talk about maybe Cam, talk about maybe the Patriots' effort level, but I would make the case this is the lowest point of the Patriots. Remember, they won 11 games with Matt Castle. I don't think he won another game in the NFL. And it's not just losing. It's losing badly. It's losing when you should have full motivation. And quite frankly, it's losing without maximum effort, apparently. What do you think? 
Yeah, and, and I really look at that Chiefs game as really the turning point for the season because if you recall, they were 2-1 and one going into that game. Um, the, the first game, you know, they got to win against the Miami Dolphins. It's week one. It's a weird offseason. You're okay with that. They lose to the Seahawks, but that was on prime time, and they were a yard away from winning that game on the road, and Cam Newton went play for play with Russell Wilson, so there was real hope. Then they took care of the Raiders at home, and you felt like, man, this team's for real. And then you had the positive test come up. You had to start Brian Hoyer at Kansas City. Um, That game got moved around. Then you had to go to Stidham. They were still in that game against the Chiefs. There was still an opportunity, but the turnovers, the mistakes in the red zone, and since then, they've just not been the same team and some people have point have said well you know cam doesn't look like uh you know he's fully recovered from covid well from what i heard he wasn't he wasn't showing symptoms yeah he wasn't showing symptoms anyway so i just something happened that week I, i i don't i don't know what it was maybe i just fell in love with what happened the first three weeks and this is more like what the patriots are but there's clearly a tale of two seasons so far and it started with that game against kansas city when they had the positive test for cam newton I would agree that if you're looking at the schedule, the standings, the will they make the playoffs, it was all downhill from that Kansas City game. What I'm saying is until this Sunday, to close the topic, it was not a concern. I did not think, oh, the Patriots are fundamentally not a good team. Yeah. It was situational. And now you don't have your starting quarterback one game, you don't get to practice the second game. Hard to complain. It's hard to be too critical. Everything, including finally, the Pats have a great history against that Seattle type Pete Carroll um, z- uh, d- zone based defense. Historically, Belichick's just chewed that up. And in this case, it looks like Camp shouldn't even be in the league. So yeah. we'll see. But I'm telling you, for the first time in tw- 18 years, from the time Venetere made that field goal against the Rams. It's not a question. Usually for me, it's are the Pats too over, uh, too much of a premium? Are people too high on them? And it doesn't matter on the Cincinnati, whatever. All their losses, I never thought they're not a good team. Yeah, and you can go to the most recent example of them playing an extended period without Brady. It was the Deflategate suspension, and if I'm not mistaken, I think they went three and one. Well, they were seven point stretch. underdogs against Arizona in, yep. in Game One. They won a game with uh, Jacoby Brissett. I mean, remember like twenty nothing yeah. against the. So yeah, Belichick's a miracle worker. There's this game concerns me if you're a yeah. Pats fan. Unlike any game in 18 years for the Patriots. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Speaking of being concerned, Jonas, the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, the Dallas Cowboys are a bad football team. Not exactly breaking news there, but the Dallas Cowboys following another rough loss, 25 to 3, the final this Sunday at Washington. Now there's questions about Andy Dalton moving forward. Uh, he's the backup to Dak. He takes a big hit. Nobody steps in to defend Andy Dalton uh, on the Cowboys team. And this all coming just days after players, anonymous players, question the coaching abilities of one Mike McCarthy. Yeah, I think that if you're listening to this show, if you're a consumer of media, you understand that there's uh, varied opinions about how macho the NFL should be. 
Whereas you got the guys like Ryan Clark and the old school guys. You know, Ryan Clark has, uh, I think it's the sickle cell trait. Is that how it's said? And he, when he plays at altitude, or if he does play at altitude, it's really dangerous. And probably eight years ago, 10 years ago, he said, ah, I'm going to play. Went to Denver, almost apparently passed away from a reaction he had. But he was like, yeah, I'll play. I mean, like, took that risk. Now, we yeah. can say that's stupid. We can say it's smart or it's it's gutsy, gladiator style. But he's old school. But then you've got the other guys, you know, the guys that didn't seem all that tough when they played. And now they're like, yeah, we got to think about the future and concussions and all that. And I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm saying there's two camps. Well, I was really surprised that everybody seems to be so critical of the Cowboys off the Andy Dalton hit and the zero reaction. The the tough guys, the cavemen, and the wimps, the metrosexual types, they all, you know, I don't know how wimpy you can be in playing the NFL, <laughs> but relatively wimpy. And they all are like, that's egregious. I could never imagine that. I mean, from, you know, coaches talking about it, they'd run in, swing in a helmet, whatever. And you actually think about it, look at how the Steelers reacted, you know, to a backup quarterback. Yeah. Last year. I mean, Pouncey got suspended a game. Didn't I was proud yeah. of him. <laughs> because, it, listen, if there, and people might say, RJ, that's barbaric. It's like, if you don't police this game, anybody could knock anybody out for the season anytime. Or maybe not anytime, but in a given game, if you wanted to knock out Aaron Donald for the season, you could. All it takes is, you, you know, one guy jacks him up a little bit, other guy comes in at the knee. And how many times are you going to do that before he's out? And you, maybe you get suspended or maybe you get thrown out of the game. Who cares, right, in theory, if, if your goal is to get Aaron Donald or whoever out. So there's got to be a consequence on the field other than suspension, other than getting kicked out of the game. you got to, like baseball, throwing at guys in theory stops uh, injury, stops uh, – there's going to be less mayhem if you throw, because if you don't, if you just let everyone do what they want and there's no consequence, there's going to be more of it. So it's a deterrent. And to me, the fact that to a man, all the former players I've listened to not only said Dallas was wrong, but it was egregiously wrong. It makes you really start questioning the fundamental foundation of this Cowboy team. Dak or no Dak, again, Big Ben was... You know, he's eating ice cream somewhere when this happened with Rudolph and the Browns. He was, like, trimming his beard, getting the gray out. And it was like (laughs) they still went wild. And the Cowboys looked like they were thinking about what they were going to have for dinner as Dalton was writhing around on the ground. What did you think? Well, yeah, and and there's a – I I tried to even – sort of be reasonable and say, okay, well, maybe it's because Andy Dalton hasn't been there that long. But still, that's your quarterback. And it's a teammate who just got bludgeoned on on a really dirty hit and nobody stepped up to do anything. And it was one of the things that was an early indicator that there might be some issues in Philadelphia with Carson Wentz because I think it was a year ago, early on in the season, there was video of Carson Wentz being knocked down to the ground and not a single offensive lineman went over to help him up. 
they just left him there to get up on his own. Somebody pointed that out, and I always kept that in the back of my mind is, yeah, that does seem a little bit odd, and that's supposedly your quote-unquote franchise quarterback. So to see that nobody jumped in to do anything, I think it's just another example and, of Dallas going in the wrong direction. And to me, it's so much more egregious. You, you oh, yeah. spoke, spoke on that, and I think you were right on about Wentz and the, you know, it feels like in general the organization and their commitment to him is a question mark. But this is look at your third string quarterback. We saw him after that. Yeah. that you got to be scared, scared that Andy Dalton gets hit. You got to. You didn't know he was concussed at that point. You should. Uh, you got to worry about the next play. And Do you think that would have been the same reaction if it was Dak Prescott? No way. Gotta, no yeah, way. I agree. I agree. And, and that's what's weird about it. And 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 I think. Oftentimes character or oftentimes the truth of a relationship shows during the trying times, whereas the boss is at work and he wants to have some raw, raw uh, meeting. You, you do it because the boss is there. But it's when the boss is sick and the number two sick. Do you do the work? Do you do whatever? And that's when you see the true character. The Cowboys, it might seem like they're a team. They have that camaraderie, that brotherhood. But I don't know if it's the mercenary ways of Jerry Jones and the money-driven culture or what. But I told you last week, right here, that Dallas's defensive effort was so bad in Monday night after they were getting blown out. It was a sign of some type of rot from the inside. And I think this game and that hit on Dalton and the lack of reaction, the apathy is another sign that forget Dak or no Dak, there's fundamental problems in Dallas. 